What does the cross mean to you? And we, we looked at that last week of what the cross means, and we're going to continue that even to next week. We're going to continue to look at that. And today, I, for me personally, this is, is something that is, I think, really crucial for what the cross means. The answer that, of what the cross means today is something that if we really saw the cross as this, it would change the world. Now, Jesus dying on the cross, forgiving our sins, yes, that changed the world. That changed the world forever. Him rise, rising from the dead, that, that did change the world. But today what we're going to look at the cross really would have a, a big effect too if we really applied this to our lives. And today's passage, I, I think, carries also a message that is central to the Bible, it's central to what God's plan was for humankind, what his plan was for us to live together as, as one body. It, it reveals the heart of God, and it, it, I think it reveals an essential work that happened on the cross. So let me give you some background of kind of where I came to where I was at today. As most of you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my master's, so I'm taking classes. In this class that I am taking right now, it's, it's really challenging to me. And it's challenging, not because of the material. We're looking at the Gospel of Luke, and we're, we're studying the book of Acts. But the professor has us reading these different papers from different people that they wrote. And these, these papers really are attacking other people. And they're attacking what I feel like me personally, just for because I was born in America, because I was born in Billings, Montana, that... In fact, there's people from all over the country that are in this class, and we all kind of are texting back and forth, like, we're kind of fired up about this. And so I have a friend of mine, and he's, he's in L.A., and his, he's taking over the church from his dad, and he's, he's black, so in his church is predominantly black. So I ask him, and we've got a great relationship. Like, I've got a relationship if I'm being ignorant and I'm even being racist. Like I said, hey, Donald, call me out on this. We have this where you can just tell me. So I shared some of this information with him. I shared these papers with him. And I said, Donald, am I missing something? Am I being ignorant here? And he goes, no, I don't think you are. He goes, I don't think you're being out of line because I don't see this particular passage. It's what we're looking at. This isn't a race issue. This is an issue where we see Jesus is, he's, this is Jesus just being Jesus and he's healing a person. This is Jesus just being Jesus and seeing that people are recognizing this is the Savior of the world. This is the Messiah. And they're coming to know Jesus. They're coming to accept. They're coming to be a believer. And this is just Jesus being Jesus to bring Jews and Gentiles together to be united. And I just struggle and I wrestle with this. And it seems like I don't necessarily think this professor has this alternative motive, but it seems like there's this motive behind his reasoning for having us read these. They're, they're pretty charged papers, and I'm not going to share them with you because I, don't, I just don't want to stir that pot. But it seems like it's getting us distracted from the gospel it's because it's not really gospel-related what they're talking about. And it seems that we're getting off the subject of what Jesus did is to uni- unify us, to bring us together, to unify the church it seems that 
it's, it gets us, and it did get us off the subject in the class, in these discussion boards. Like, it got us off the subject of Jesus. It got us off the subject of the Holy Spirit, which in, in Acts is full of the Holy Spirit and full of Jesus. And it created some hostility and created some division among us. Last week, I, I heard from several people that they kind of got lost in the middle of my sermon. And I was kind of talking about this, and I was trying to be, because I knew I was going to talk about it this week, so I kind of was being a little vague. So we're going to dive just a little bit deeper into that. We're going to kind of explore that a little bit, as you can probably tell. And I'm going to try to keep us out of the woods. I'm going to try to keep us in the nice meadow so that we, can all, we don't get lost in there this week. But first, I want to show you this video, this video. You may have watched this video or seen this video in the Super Bowl. So if we get this video to work, if Bev, you can play this video. Tim, can you hum or something? Or Aiden, you got any good jokes? No, that would be me singing if that was like that. If not, I can tell you what the video is. <laughs> I can describe it. If we get it, we'll get it. Oh, there we go. This is not a plug for He Gets Us campaign. In fact, I don't even know that much about that campaign. But what I wanted you to see is the division, the fighting, the yelling, the screaming, the just how as a community, these images, they, they show violence. They show hatred towards each other. Some of these might, those images might have been real. Some of them might have been stage actors. I don't know. But I don't think it takes much that we can look at the TV or we can just read the news or anything, that you can see this is the world we live in right now. There's not unity. I don't see any peace in that video. In fact, this video caused a lot of division. As I looked at this week, and I, I just kind of, because I want to make sure it's an appropriate video, so I watched it and I read some things, and People were getting on TV or getting on a, some sort of platform and they were yelling and they were screaming just like the video showed. Just, just like it didn't matter if they were there because there was Christians that were criticizing it and there were non-Christians criticizing it. And 
those images were exactly what we saw in the video. And it was amazing to me that it's interesting how blind someone can be and they're acting the same way as something that they were protesting about. And I know we don't have that problem in here. I know we love each other around here. We have peace. We have all this unity. Until maybe I started talking about this issue today. But also, I can tell you some stories. I'm not going to. I'm going to respect people. But it's not always peace and unity around here either. Because I hear things. I hear things. People tell me things. And every once in a while, I get a little note slipped under my door. Or get an email every once in a while. But that's what I was talking about last week. That we get distracted. We get distracted about a cause. We get distracted about something that, that well, maybe it's, just give some examples of what's going on in the world. Maybe it's distracted about our climate. Maybe it's distracted about gun laws. Maybe it's about even the issue of legalized marijuana. Maybe immigration. What books to put into school. Here's a big one we get on topics of gender. There's rules, there's regulations, there's taxes. Who's president? Who's going to be president? Who's going to run for president? There's so many things that we have. Some of these things are good issues. Like There's good issues. There's two sides to an issue. There's good points on both sides of these issues. Opinions that we support and opinions that we oppose. And all too often, I think what we see is that video. We see people yelling. We see people screaming. We see people fighting each other. And what happens is we are only focused on that issue. Maybe because we just want to be right. And while we're, we are doing that, even if maybe we're trying to be godly, we're trying to bring the gospel in it, what we see is people don't listen. We're not listening to anybody. We're not respecting anybody. We're not loving one another. We're not seeing, as God, seeing people as God sees people. We see them as, as enemies, and we want to fight them because we want to be right. So we, we start fighting with them, and we don't see that, well, I'm unique, and you're unique, and we have different opinions in each other. And, but the thing is, is we're all created by God. We're all loved by God. Yep, 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 we're going to get to some of that. So, unfortunately, all too often, I think we see people start yelling. They're unloving. They're destructive to each other. How is this bringing unity to us? How is this bringing unity to the church? How is this you bring, if we are the body of Christ, how is that showing unity? Unity in the kingdom of God. How does that show anyone Jesus? You know, if that's what someone, if this yelling and this screaming and this fighting and this bickering, what we saw in this video, if that represents Jesus, if that's what someone shows me that that's what Jesus is, I'm going to say no thanks. Keep that, Jesus, to yourself. We're going to, let me just finish, okay? So what is the message of the cross? What is that message of the cross when that's what people see? How does that represent the cross? Now, I'm sure this is a fam- many of you are probably familiar with this analogy. But think of a bank account in, in our relationship. Some of you have probably heard this. If you make enough positive deposits, like you say a nice, enough nice things about each other, 
Like you say to your wife, you, you're, you're always pleasant, you're always respectful, and you make all these positive deposits. So that then the occasional time when you say something wrong, the balance is going to be so positive that, yeah, it'll take a little hit, but this relationship will move on. You just say, I'm sorry, and you, you ask for forgiveness, and, and you, you have a de- good relationship. But what if we're just negative all the time? We're just always criticizing each other. We're fighting. We're arguing. We're offensive to each other. We're saying how awful somebody is. Well, that balance is always in the negative. It's always, it's, it, it never is positive. So even if you start to say something positive, it's probably not even going to be heard. It's not even going to be recognized. It's going to go unnoticed. Because this relationship and that kind of relationship isn't very good. Think of your checking account. When you have a positive balance and you write a check, you know, you, you still have a positive. You're still okay. But what if your checking account is always negative? Even if you put a dollar in there, it, it, it has no effect. And I think our world right now, it has a lot of negative accounts. It's got a lot of negative balance. So let's look at, at what I talk about the cross today. We're going to look at Ephesians 2. We're going to look at verses 11 through 18. Maybe help us see a little bit clearer if some of you are still kind of in the forest about what I'm talking about. So let's look at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, he ha- who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So in that time, we mostly had Jews and we had Gentiles. They hated each other. They kept apart from each other. They didn't talk to each other. Perhaps as ununited as a people as we could maybe get. I'm sure they called each other names. Jews thought Gentiles actually were, were beyond saving. There was no hope for them. Likewise, I'm sure the Gentiles despised the Jews because the Jews were thinking that they were superior to everyone. So here's the Gentile always being looked down upon. They're probably tired of that. Tired of being oppressed by the Jews. These two people, as I talked about those bank accounts, they were at very negative accounts. No positive deposits, all withdrawals. And the result was this, this hatred for each other. Probably a lot of interactions like we saw in that video. But has anything changed over the last 2,000 years? We still live in a world where, where people hate each other just based on simple things as what political party you are, where you're born the color of your skin, their job, your income level. I mean, I've even heard people complain about if you drive an electric car, don't drive an electric car. 
There's so many things that divide us. So many things that we take a stance on, we take an opinion on, and we stay out there. They keep us distracted from Jesus is. They keep us distracted from why Jesus came to do what he came to do, what Jesus did on the cross. No wonder Paul describes in this, this section, he says, he describes Gentiles as having no hope and as if they had no God in the world. Imagine a world like that. We've looked at this verse in the past before. We looked at this before, but just imagine having no hope. Now, hope is something that, like, we know it's going to happen. We know, we're certain of it. It's not a wish. Because a wish is something that we're, well, it's we wish for. Knowing that the it's, odds are it's not going to happen. Like winning the lottery. To hope is to know something is going to happen. This is kind of a weird example, but think if you got a big giant sliver in your finger. It hurts. feels uncomfortable. You know that once you take that sliver out, the pain will go away. So essentially, we hope that the removal of the sliver, it'll be all better. Because we know that it will make it better. But imagine if we simply just wish the pain to go away. Because remember, wishing, well, we're, we're probably it's not going to happen, so we take the sliver out. It still hurts. Nothing's going to change. Because we're just wishing. But that's the difference between hope. Hope is something we know will happen. And imagine living a life like that. Only being able to wish for things. Wish for something knowing it's not going to get better. Not being certain of anything. And unfortunately, too many of the people in this world, I think we're still living with no hope. And sometimes, us, we as this human race, we make it worse. We make it worse because of how we treat each other. Because maybe we're like the Jews. We see people as inferior to us. For a variety of reasons. Because we don't see each other as being created by God. We're created in God's image. And all of us should have the same hope. To make matters worse, Paul says they don't have hope and they also live in a world without God. Now the Gentiles, they had many gods, plural gods, small g gods that they worshipped, that they, they did things, but they were afraid of them, they were scared of them. But they had no hope of ever knowing the one true God. So imagine that. You have no hope, no future. You only have a bunch of little G gods that just want things from you. And you don't have any hope of knowing the one true God. All you've got is what this world has to offer. Kind of like today. Some people still live that. Think of the parents of those children that were shot this week in Nashville or some of those other school shootings, those other shootings we've had. Imagine if you're one of those parents and imagine having to deal with that with no hope and without the one true God. Many of us, maybe we're still there. We're still there and we're still living in this world with no hope, no God, or at least that's how it feels sometimes. A world where we may not have the hope because like the Gentiles, maybe even some of us, there's a different group of people that they're oppressing us strictly because of what we look like, our income level, our nationality, our race. But the thing is, God had a plan. 
God had a plan to unite us. God had a plan to bring us all together as one body. God had a plan to bring peace. Let's look at verses 14 18 again. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus, Jesus was God's plan to end that hostility. To a Jewish person, they thought it was just them. That, that they were God's chosen people. And everyone else in the world, well, you guys are a bunch of Gentiles. You're lower class with no hope and no chance of knowing God. Imagine that created a lot of hostility. Even if you were a Gentile and you converted to Judaism in that day, the, con- the convert was still considered a foreigner. And they often, you weren't considered as, as having a share in this, prov- this promise that was given to the Israelites, that was given to the Jewish people, who, as I said, were God's chosen people. Essentially, you were still a Gentile without hope. But Jesus put all that to death on the cross. Jesus on the cross put to death the hostility between them. Jesus bringing peace. Brought peace between us and God, but he also brought peace between all of us. Uniting all of us into one body. One united body in Jesus. Later on in this book of Ephesians, these are some words that Paul writes. Verses, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each of us giving unique abilities. Each of us being given these abilities to work together as a body, to build each other up, to build this body of Christ up. Together in love. Together we're maturing into the body where it says Jesus is the head. We're growing together so each part of the body does its part Each part is building up, maturing in love because we're united and we have peace. This is all brought about by Jesus reconciling all of us on the cross, uniting us, bringing peace. So the question again, what does the cross mean to you? Does it mean unity? Does it mean peace? Are you living in unity? Are you living in peace? Living in unity with each other. 
living at peace with each other. Maybe we still need to make peace with someone. Maybe it's preven- what's preventing you from living in unity? This week, I get to practice what I preach. Because right now, there is somebody that I'm, I'm not exactly living in unity with. It's in a brother of Christ. This week, I'm going to meet with this person. It's like I said, I'm going to practice what I preach this week. Is there something that Jesus is speaking to you about right now that you need to make peace? Something that's causing disunity in the body. And it might be you that needs to change. It has nothing to do with that other person. Because maybe that person perhaps could be just like a, the Gentiles. They're born into something, born into a different people, into different circumstances. They're different than you. But it might be something within us that we need to change. We need to let go of. We need to let Jesus make peace with us. Let Jesus bring that unity. Unity that came from the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross for just the Jewish people. He also died on the cross for the Gentiles. Jesus died on the cross for every single one of us in this room and every single one out in the world. That cross that meant to, was meant to bring unity and peace. Are we ready to let the cross do what it was supposed to do? Bring unity and peace. Just imagine if the world we live in, that video wasn't true. Imagine if we saw each other as one body. We saw ourselves as united. We, saw, we had peace. We no longer saw each other's differences as, as something to argue about, something maybe to judge somebody about, something just to hate somebody about because they're different than me, something that divides us, something that, well, I don't want to associate with that person. We saw each other's differences and we could listen to each other and we could be okay if somebody doesn't agree with me. Be okay with someone pointing out maybe an area of sin in my life, something that I need to reconcile instead of feeling like they're judging me or they're attacking me and I get mad at them and I start yelling and screaming at them and be just I write them out of my life, but instead I know that they're just trying to love me and they're trying to bring together the body, wanting to have the body working together in unity. What if we saw all of those differences, that that's the way God created all of us, and we're all in God's own image. We're all sons and daughters of the one true God. We saw each other as being important. All of us are important in this body of Christ. These unique gifts that God gives us, that's, that gives the body the ability to work together. And we use those gifts, we use those abilities, and we're united, and we're living in peace with each other. Again, that the unity and peace that Jesus brought to us by his death on the cross. Last week when I talked about the people focused on some other agenda, not on the cross. What if we stopped doing that? What if we focused on the cross? What the cross meant? How Jesus' death on the cross brought unity and peace to all of us. We let all of our cultural biases... We let all of our politics, all different our political views, we let all of our stereotypes, anything we have about race, anything that's ignorant, our sinful nature, anything that we have inside of us, we let that all go. Anything that keeps us from being united. 
few months ago, I met with someone that I've known for, we've known each other for 30 years. Haven't seen each other for about 10. You could not ask for anybody that has more differences, especially politically. Completely different spectrums. We both knew this about each other. And we're working together on a project together. And so when we first met, we talked about that elephant in the room. We, we just brought it up, saying, yep, I'm here, you're there. And we brought it up. And it was amazing because we were united and we had peace. We found out that we actually had more in common than we thought we did. And by having our different opinions, we actually could work better together. We can work better as a body because we're united and we had peace. And we're working on this together, knowing that this is the result's going to be good because we can, we can be united under Jesus, focused on the power of the cross and what it means for all of us to, to be united in a common cause, really to love people. Having this cross, Jesus dying on the cross, uniting us, bringing us peace. In a world that says that, just like me and this other person, there's no way these two could ever get along. But that's what the cross can do. When we surrender to the cross, when we surrender to Jesus, we allow ourselves to be one body. So ask yourself, where do I need to let the cross do its work? What am I not united in? What am I not united in my brothers and sisters in? And I think lastly, what does the cross mean to you? Lord, I just pray that as we continue to look at the cross and we continue to, to, to just see what it meant for your son to die on that cross, Lord, Today we're talking about unity and we're talking about peace, Lord. I just pray that in this world right now, that their spirit just moves, Lord, in, in this division that we have. Lord, maybe even within this room, Lord, that we look at the cross and we see unity. We see peace. Lord, and we let the spirit, Lord, we let what Jesus did on that cross work in us so that we no longer have division. We no longer have disunity. That we are united as one body. That we can go, go from this room and we can go into this world, Lord, and we can also share this, this vision of the cross. That we, people can see that Jesus isn't here to divide us, but Jesus is here to unite us, to make us one, to bring us back into relationship with you, but also to bring relationship with each other. That differences, they don't matter anymore. Differences actually can be a strength. And we see that. And we work together for a common cause, Lord. The common cause of just loving one another. Sharing, sharing the message of Jesus with one another. That your kingdom will grow. So Lord, I just, I just pray, Lord, that we can, we can go forth this week, go forth today, Lord. Just be united as a body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.